0: It is, uh, today is the last day of the year. We're about uh, 12 and a half hours away from 2018 coming in. And uh, for, for a lot of us, some of you, it may have been uh, that you're ready for, to see 2017 in the rearview mirror. Maybe you had some things this year that, uh, that you just soon not have to think about anymore, and you're ready for this, this new uh, calendar year that comes up. You know, there's always something about a new year that stirs hope in us. Uh, there's, there's some unseen, there's some un- unknowns that are going to come in 2018. But, but for most of it, it's, it's an exciting thing. It's what people get excited about the new year because of the, the hope that it brings that, you know, maybe if 2017 wasn't a great year, that maybe this year will be better. And, uh, or, if the, or if 2017 was a good year, maybe 2018 will be even better than this past year was. But, uh, but there, there's something about it that stirs it in us that, that causes us to have hope for the new year. And, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. In fact, uh, the title on message today is just called Blessed. And uh, I don't want to stand up here and, and be the, the, uh, give you a token, you know, oh, 2018 is going to be the best year of your life. You know, it's going to be the greatest year ever. I, we don't know what, what 2018 holds, but I do know, based on the Word of God, that 2018 can be a very blessed year for each and every one of us. And uh, I would even ask you today, are you bold enough to proclaim in faith that you can believe God that this year is going to be a year of blessing for you? Anybody here bold enough to proclaim that? Amen. 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 I'm believing it. I'm believing it for my life. The thing is that, that blessed, to be blessed simply means to, to have favor and protection from God. And that's what I want in my life. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. I want the blessing of God in my life. We, we've kind of taken the word blessing to mean a lot of things like, oh, if I'm blessed, that means I have a lot of money. Or that means I have a, uh, everything I need and I'm comfortable. That's not necessarily what blessing is. Blessing is literally the favor and protection of God in our lives. And I can believe God for that. And I I believe this year that he really wants to give that to each and every one of us. And and that may look like for you, it may may be different for each and every one of us as far as what we, how we would see the favor and protection of God in our lives. For some, it may be emotionally that we just need God's favor in our life, you know, to be able to to conquer fear for once and for all in our life, or to conquer anxiety or depression or the things that, that ail us emotionally sometimes, or for some of you may need favor on your finances you know, maybe you're just, maybe you're constantly struggling with debt and, and finances and living week to week and you're tired of it and you just want to believe God for favor in that this year, that he would bless it to where you can prosper in that in the way that, that you believe God would intend for you to prosper. Uh, or maybe it's in the area of relationships, you know, where you just, you've had relationships in your life that are strained and there's tension and you just need healing in some relationships and uh, you need God's favor and protection on those in your life for, the, for this year. Whatever it may be, I believe that God... Wants to partner with you to help bring that blessing in your life. And I'm going to show you from the Word of God. I don't believe we can manipulate God. God will not be manipulated. We can't coerce Him. We can't do just the right things to make Him pour out His blessings in our life. But I believe that God wants to partner with us to bring blessings into our life. You guys believe that? I mean, we know the blessings come from God. We can't make blessings on our own, we can't, we can't make favor and protection happen. God is the one that that initiates it. He's the one that brings it into our lives. But he wants to partner with us in helping us to bring those blessings into our life. And I'm going to read a verse out of Jeremiah 17. It's actually two verses. It's in verses 7 and 8. This is my main text verse for the day. It says, but blessed is the man. Here comes, here's the blessing. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And then he goes on to say, "He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots in the, by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and never fails to be to bear fruit." So this shows us, this shows me that the blessing of God to be a blessed person, what we would call a blessed person. There's, a, there's a, a, a part that we play. There's a role that we play. It's, Jeremiah said here that those who put their trust and their confidence in God are blessed. It doesn't say you'll be blessed and then you can put your trust and your confidence in him. He is telling us that we have to trust in him completely, put our confidence in him completely, that he is our everything, that it's not just this haphazard trust where, yeah, I kind of trust him. You know, if things are going well, I trust him. He's saying, if you will put your, all you are in him and you'll put all your, all your eggs in his basket, so to speak, that you can know that you will be blessed. And then he goes on to give a description of a tree planted by the water. What a beautiful picture that Jeremiah creates for us here. That when you think of a tree that's, that's planted right by the water and its root system goes down into the stream. That tree does not have to worry if, that, if wherever that tree is if they're in drought. It doesn't have to worry if there hasn't been rain in, in a year, two years, three years. Because it's, it, it's not dependent on its outward circumstances to, to make sure that it's fruitful and that it grows. Because it's going, it's, it's tapped in to the main source. It's, it's got its tap in there. So the, the, the heat may come, the winds may come, the storms may come, the snow may come. It doesn't matter to that tree because that's not where it's getting its source. That's not where it's getting its sustaining power, its fulfillment in life and, and what, what it would give it to produce fruit. It's getting it because it's under the ground. The root is going into that stream. And that's how we can be when we put our trust and our confidence in him. It sounds pretty simple, really. If I trust... In, in my God. If I, if I don't lean on my own understanding, but in all my ways, I trust him. He will direct my paths and I will be a blessed person. And I will be like a tree planted by the water. I don't know about you, but I want that. And I, don't, I would never be ashamed to admit that that's what I want. I want him to be my source. I don't want my circumstances, outward circumstances to determine whether or not I feel like I'm blessed, you know? Amen. So I'm going to talk to you today about receiving the blessing. And, uh, You know, how many of you know, sometimes, uh, things come in our life that we don't really want. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have chosen these things to happen in our life and they feel like a curse, but sometimes they're actually a blessing in disguise. Happens a lot in life, doesn't it? I know the longer I live, the more I think when I see things that happen that I wouldn't have, or I wouldn't have wanted, or I wouldn't have orchestrated on my own. I, I, rather than just react quickly to those things, it's, it's good to step back and say, okay, God, what are you doing in this? you know, is this really a blessing in disguise or is this something that I really need to rebuke and get out of here? And uh, I'll give you a story to illustrate. When I, uh, Joy and I were engaged, I, I just moved here about two weeks before we got married because I was staying up in Ohio to try to make some money to, uh, to pay for, uh, for the wedding and being married and all of that. And, you know, you can save up enough money in six months to pay for a whole marriage, right? That's easy. And uh, so I, I moved down here about two weeks before our wedding and I had to go to work right away because we'd both come out of the, doing missions, uh, working with the missions organization. We were both broke as you can be, and uh, we needed some money quick. So I, I got a job with a guy that was actually part of this church for years. Uh, he's since passed on and gone on with the Lord. But um, it was a really great gig because all I really knew other than doing missions and ministry was construction. And so he, was, he did carpentry, and I worked with him and, and uh, was able to make pretty good money. And I, I felt good because it was like, man, I just kind of came down here and stepped right into that. and Things were going great for about, you know, four or five months. And then all of a sudden his work kind of dried up and we would go days and sometimes weeks without any work. And I was literally sitting at home uh, going through yellow pages. This kind of dates it a little bit. There were still yellow pages back then that people used and uh, trying to find where I could find work here because I didn't know anybody. I was brand new to the area and um, I was very discouraged because on top of all of it, Joy was uh, with child um, about two months after we got married. And so here I am unemployed, and have a kid on the way. I have no money. And, uh, it got so bad. In fact, one month I had to get a cash advance on my credit card to pay my rent. And if any of you ever got a cash advance on your credit card, that is, that is never a good thing. They're going to get their money back and then some, right? And so, uh, I was, I was really struggling. I was borderline depressed. I felt like a failure. Here I am newly married, about to be a dad too. And I can't even provide for my family. Um, And it was just not, it wasn't good. And I remember crying out to God saying, God, what is going on? You know, and in my mind, I'm I'm thinking, man, I've I've given you my life. I've I've served you in missions. I've, you know, lived in Africa for a year. I've done everything I know to do. And I come back here and here I am stuck. And I was out of options really. And it was in that time that the Lord actually spoke very clearly to me and Joy and said, go out on your own, start a business, venture out. And this was not some ho-hum thing that we just decided, okay, we'll give it a shot. This was like the Lord really made it very clear to us. It was one of those times we knew we heard from God. And so I actually ventured out, started my own construction company. And uh, you know, as a lot of you know, within two years of doing that, I was building houses. I had a building company for 12 years that was very successful, very blessed, uh, usually blessed in spite of me, but nevertheless, it was blessed. And, uh, and we were able to do things and give in ways that, that we never would have dreamed of just six months earlier or a couple of years earlier. And the the blessing of the Lord was on that so much and we were able to to do so many things. And I was able to see the Lord open up doors that ultimately brought me to where I am today that I think, man, if, if, if the work I had before hadn't dried up, I'd probably, I would have been there for a long, long time because that was my comfort zone. You know, that was like, I'm comfortable here. I'm never going to, you know, I'm not going to be rich doing this, but that's okay. I'm comfortable and things are taken care of. And you know, how many, of, how many of you know that sometimes it's, it's hard to make those changes when you have that security, especially when it comes to your paycheck and your finances, it's hard to step out. And I'm just like everybody else. It would have been very difficult for me to step out if things had been going well in that job. And so what looked like a curse to me. What looked like, Lord, what are you doing? Did you forget? Woo-hoo, here I am. Did you forget about me? I know I'm short, but I'm still here, you know? And uh, it went from that to like, oh my goodness, in hindsight, I see that was a blessing in disguise that the Lord allowed that to happen or brought that on so that I would step out and do what he called me to do, which was really to walk into my destiny uh, for what he had for us. So sometimes those things, those blessings are in disguise. And you know, sometimes God has to protect you even from the things that you think are good. If we really submit ourselves to him, we say, God, I want you to be Lord over my life. He's going to have to protect us sometimes from things that we think are really good for us because he knows better, right? He's, He's omnipotent. He knows everything. And so, um, I want to I kind of go through the story of Jacob because Jacob had a blessing that came in disguise as well. He had multiple ones. I'm going to focus on one though. And uh, I'm going to kind of give you a brief history of Jacob because uh, I want to get to the, the part that I want to be at and then I'm going to focus the meat of my, the rest of my message on that. Um, so the story of Jacob, most of you know Jacob. He was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, the father of Israel. Um, a great history there. He was, his mom was Rebecca. He was a twin. His twin brother was Esau, and uh, they, were, uh, they were jostling in the womb, the Bible says. And Rebekah went to God and said, why, are, why is this going on inside of me? And God said, because you have two nations in your womb that are fighting against each other. So Jacob was in the womb. He was already causing trouble. And uh, when, he was born, when they were born, Esau was actually born first. And, uh, but Jacob, it's, it, the Bible says that Jacob was grabbing onto his heel. So Jacob, even then, was trying to uh, manipulate the situation, you know, even as an infant. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but there's no, when you know the story of Jacob, you can see, in fact, when she named him Jacob, that name literally means deceiver, uh, supplanter. He was, he was a liar. He was a conniver. He was a manipulator. I know today names don't mean a whole lot for us in our culture, but back then the name meant everything. It it was who you were. And so she actually named him deceiver and that's who he was. Um, but God also told Rebecca while she was pregnant with them that, uh, that the older was going to serve the younger, which was also unheard of in that culture. The firstborn has has rights and privileges that the rest of the family just didn't get, and for God to speak that to Rebecca, that was a pretty big deal. And um, and so they grow up, they're growing up, and Jacob's in the house one day cooking some stew, and Esau comes in from being out in the field hunting, and he's hungry, and he tells Jacob, "Give me some of that stew." And Jacob takes the opportunity to manipulate the situation and get the birthright. He tells Esau, "Fine, I'll give you some stew, but I want your birthright." And most of you know the story. Esau gave him his birthright. He despised his birthright. So Jacob manipulated and that situation got what he wanted. And then uh, a little later when Isaac was almost dying, he, he was, he was so far along, he was actually blind. He couldn't see anymore. He wanted to pray the blessings over his kids. And so he wanted to give Esau the blessing of the firstborn. So he called for Esau to come in. Well, Jacob deceived him and went in and claimed to be Esau. Jacob said, um, Isaac said, what's your name? And he said, my name's Esau. I'm your son. And he actually stole the blessing of the firstborn from Esau. So he manipulated in that situation to get what he wanted. He deceived, he contrived to get what he wanted, uh, in that situation. And so after that, Jacob is on the run because he's basically fearing that Esau is going to try to kill him now because he stole his birthright. So he, uh, he's on the run. He goes to, uh, his his uh, uncle's house to Laban, and he ends up marrying two of Laban's daughters, Rachel and Leah. And, uh, he, he, he serves Laban for 14 years and, and works hard for him and his flocks start to grow, his family grows, his, his wealth grew while he was working for Laban. And it, the Bible says that Laban started treating him differently. And so he got scared. So, and he said, it says that God told him to go back to Canaan to his, the land that his father's from. So he took all his, his family and his belongings, everything, and they, he took off to go to Canaan. And while he's on his way to Canaan, he gets word that Esau is up ahead and he's headed towards him with 400 men. Now, Jacob knows the last time he talked to Esau, he really messed him over. And so, and you don't, you don't come to meet somebody with 400 men unless you're expecting a battle. So Esau was coming to take care of some business and maybe get what was, what was rightfully his, get some vengeance. And the Bible said that, that Jacob was very discouraged and, ang- and anxious and fearful. And, uh, and I'm going I'm to pick it up in there in, in chapter 32, in verses 24 to 30. Jacob sent everything he had, his wives, his kids, all his belongings, sent him across the river, and he stayed back, and he was all alone. And in verse 24, it picks up. It says, so Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched, wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. The man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. It's very significant there that he blessed him at the end of all that. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. So there's many things from the life of Jacob that we could take, that we could apply to our lives today. Anytime we read a story in the Old Testament, the, the chances of the, the literal things ha- that have happened to Jacob happening to us are very slim. None of us are probably going to ever wrestle with God, right? Uh, that's, that's not necessarily what we're taking out of this word, but what we could take out of it is there's principles that we can apply to our lives um, that, we can, that we can use for today. Even though this happened thousands of years ago, we can use it today even, uh, based on what happened to Jacob. And uh, what I'd like to talk to you about today, I'm going to give you four keys to receiving blessing from God, okay? Four keys to making 2018 a year of blessing for you. Obviously not exhaustive, but these are four that I just felt like the Lord just really quickened in my spirit that, uh, that I'd like to share with you today, and I hope it'll encourage you and, and also challenge you. First of all, let me just say that uh, historians, scholars, Bible scholars, they all believe that this man that Jacob wrestled with was uh, the incarnation of Jesus, Okay, there's a few places in the Old Testament where they believe that Jesus uh, appeared in, in fleshly form, and they believe that this is one of them. This was not just some man. This was, this was, this was God. This was a representation of God. We do know that. So the, the first key to, under, to the blessing in our life is to understand that sometimes God initiates the struggle. Now, I know that's going to get all up in our business, to think that God initiates struggle in our life, because it goes against a lot of what we would like to believe about God. But... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you today, I'm going to make a statement that, that may uh, make us a little uncomfortable, but the, this idea that God's goal for our life is just that we would just be comfortable and that everything in our life would just be perfect and nothing would ever go wrong and we'd just be able to kick back with our feet up and enjoy our life is a fallacy. It really is a fallacy. God's main goal for your life and for my life is to make us his. That is his number one goal in our life, and there is... There is, there is evidence over and over and over and over again in the word of God, where God shows us that he will do what he has to do to make us his. He will do whatever he has to do to make us completely his. And if that means initiating a struggle in our life, then I say, bring it. It's a scary prayer to pray, but I pray it all the time. Like, Lord, I'm scared to death to pray this, but I want you to make me yours. I want you to receive glory in my life more than I want to receive my own glory in my life. And if you got to take me to a place that I don't necessarily want to go, to get there then I'm okay with that. We have to be bold enough in our faith as believers to say God, you do what you have to do to make me all yours. I want less of me and more of you in my life. Now, now let me just say I don't God doesn't bring sickness on us. He doesn't these these tragedies that happens in our life. God doesn't bring those, okay? He'll use them. He will definitely use them for our good if we allow him. But he will absolutely allow bring struggles into our life to get us to where he wants us to be. He did it for Jesus. The Bible says the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. The spirit led him, capital S. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Amen? So God will do that. He will initiate the struggle in our life sometimes. That's what he did here with Jacob. In verse 24, it says that a man wrestled with Jacob. It doesn't say Jacob wrestled with a man. This, it implies that the man initiated this struggle with Jacob. This, this tension, this wrestling match was initiated by this man. In fact, I could even believe that Jacob was there by himself. He was praying, and here comes God in a fleshly form to wrestle with him. I could even see Jacob saying, God, excuse me, could you get rid of this guy? Because I'm really trying to pray. You know, I, this guy's distracting me from praying and, and really telling you all the things that I need. But the reason that, that God initiated the struggle with Jacob was because he wanted to get his focus off of his fear, off his anxiety, off the fact that, that Esau was coming to, to possibly kill him. He wanted to get his focus off of all of that. He wanted to get his focus on him. And that's why he initiated that struggle. And church, God does that with us. He does that. He's done that in my life. He's done it in yours. Whether you've noticed it or not, he's done it in your life. He doesn't doesn't do it just for, he's not some masochist that does it just for the fun of it. He'll allow it because he wants to make us his. That is the win in life. The win in life is to get our focus on him. The goal in the struggle is always, always, always to make us more like, like him. Always. It's to get our focus because... I don't know about you guys, but for me, when I'm going through something that I don't like, it really helps me to focus on him. It really does. It it gets, because when things are going well, a lot of times we can kind of feel, we might say the token prayer or try to do what we think we're supposed to do. But there's something about when we have that struggle in our life that we really don't want that causes us to focus on him. And when, when God's initiating it, you're wrestling with with him, if he's, if he's the one initiating it, he's causing your focus to be on him and not on your fears, your anxieties, your circumstances, your your finances, your relationships, but it's on him. Because when we focus on him, he can help us deal with all those other things. So sometimes he will initiate the struggle. Remember what it said, what I, that first verse that I read in Jeremiah 17. It says that if we put our trust and confidence in him, that we're blessed. He wants us, whatever he has to do to get us to put our trust and confidence in him, I know that's a scary prayer to pray for all of us, but it's, it's the most rewarding thing we can do as believers and followers of Jesus is to say, God, I want you to do what you got to do in my life to get me to trust you more, to get me to put my confidence in you, to get me to where my confidence is not anymore. It's not in my job anymore. It's not in my, my bank account. It's not in my spouse or my girlfriend or my boyfriend. It's not in my relationship with my kids. It's not in my boss, but it is in you. And I want you to do whatever you got to do to get me there. And for most of us, hopefully, we wouldn't have to have everything stripped away like Jacob did. He was—he had everything taken from him. He was alone. That was the only way God could get his attention. But you know, Jacob was a stinker, and uh, and God had a destiny for him. And he was—he wanted to get that destiny fulfilled. He wanted Jacob to walk into that destiny. So the second thing, the second key to the blessing, is that sometimes we have to wrestle with God. Now, how many of you know wrestling with God is a match you cannot win. Um, I had a buddy of mine when, when we were in high school. He, was a, he wrestled in high school, and he, he also did bodybuilding. He lifted. He was, you know, buff and ripped, and, and we would wrestle all the time just for the fun of it because he liked to kind of practice, and uh, I never won that wrestling match ever. You know, if I lasted 30 seconds before getting pinned, I felt like that was a win, um, and that's kind of how it would be if we wrestled with God. You know, God God doesn't lose. When you read the story of Jacob wrestling with the man, if, if you're not careful, you can read that thinking, man, Jacob must have been a beast. The fact that he could hold off God all night. You know, God could have touched him and, and knocked him out in a split second. That, that the idea was not to win the wrestling match for God, the idea was to, was to get his focus on him. And sometimes we have to wrestle with God. And for Jacob to get the blessing, he had to wrestle with God. He, he, God didn't just come up to him and say, you know, Jacob, you're, you're, you're a man of destiny. You know, I, I told your grandfather I'm going to make you a great nation it's gonna, out, your, your descendants are gonna outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. So I'm gonna just go ahead and give you that blessing. He made Jacob wrestle for it. And I believe he makes us wrestle for it. Now for you and me, we're not gonna literally have a wrestling match with God. So my, my next thought is when I read this, is like, okay, what does that mean for me, God? If you want me to wrestle with you, what does that, how do I wrestle with you today? January or December 31st, 2017. And I believe the, the biggest way that we wrestle with God is through prayer. It's when the struggles come in life that we would wrestle with him in prayer, that we would go to God with, with the things that, that we're struggling with, the tensions in our life, that we would go to him. You, you know, because the tendency more often than not is to really tell everybody else in our life about all our problems and complain and vent. We like to call it venting. And the last person we think of to actually talk to about it is God. Or if we do, we may say a quick token prayer or, uh, or cry out to him as we're driving down the road for, for a little bit, but not really labor with him in prayer. His desire is that we would labor in prayer with him, that we would wrestle with him in prayer. And if you've ever done that, you know what I'm talking about. Where you had a situation where you're like, God, I really need to get perspective on this. I really need to get your heart in this situation. Not necessarily that you'd fix all my circumstances, even though if you wanna do that, I'm good with that too. But it's more about getting with him and getting that perspective and saying, God, I want your heart in this. Because there's something about it when we pray, when we really labor with God in prayer, when you spend you know, more than just... 30 seconds praying, but you actually get on your knees and you really labor with him and you get into your prayer closet and you start talking to God. It's amazing what happens because you start off kind of complaining and saying, God, this is happening, this is happening. But the more you, the more you talk to him and the more you express yourself to God in prayer, the more you start to see your heart turn. Your heart turns and all of a sudden you you realize you see, you can start to see God's perspective in it. And rather than just asking God to fix it, you start saying, God, do what you want to do in this situation to draw me closer to you. Do what, do what you want to do. Like, give me your heart in this situation. If this is breaking your heart, break my heart for it too. I want my heart to break for the things that break yours. And to really, to really shift our focus in prayer to, to being more about coming to him as, our, as our, uh, our sugar daddy that just gives us what we need. But coming to him as a, as a loving father and saying, God, I trust you in the middle of this. I trust you even though I don't understand it but I want your heart in it. And when we labor with him in prayer, when we wrestle with God in prayer, that is something that stirs the heart of God. Prayer changes things. But more importantly, prayer changes us. I know if I I start getting too much about myself and my life and my my situation, then I, I know I'm not praying very much because prayer turns our focus. There's a spiritual dynamic there that you can't really even fully explain. You just have to experience it. That when you get before God and pray, you start to see that, you, you can get your eyes off of your, your situation and get your eyes more on him. And, uh, you know, we're, we're starting the, our 21 days of prayer and fasting next week. It was in the video announcements. Uh, we're starting next Sunday. We do this every year for 21 days. And I, I cannot encourage you enough to please take this seriously. Uh, we, we do this every year. It's such a—I I look forward to it. I don't look forward to, to the idea of fasting because I do like to eat. Um, and, and nobody likes to give up things like that, but there's some, there's a spiritual dynamic that comes with prayer and fasting that helps to get your focus and your perspective on him. And he does work in our hearts during those times. My life, my heart, my heart has been changed more through fasting seasons in my life than any other time. By far, and it's not even close. It's like, it, it's, like a, it's like prayer in a microwave almost. I don't know how really to describe it other than it, there's just something about it. I'm not saying he you know, did everything I wanted him to do because I fasted. But what I'm saying is he changes the heart. And he, draw, he, he it becomes less about us and more about him. And that's really what we all want. It's, it, it's kind of scary. But when we really get down to, to brass tacks in our relationship with God, we all want to really have his heart in our life, because we know when we have His heart, He He gives us the perspective we need to get through the struggles that we go through in life. Um, you know, when I, when I think of like people struggling and wrestling with God, I, the Apostle Paul absolutely wrestled with God, and he got one of the greatest truths in all the Christian faith through one of his his uh, instances of wrestling with God, and uh, when he talked about the thorn in his flesh. You know, we all know about Paul's thorn in his flesh. Nobody really knows what it, what it was. Everybody speculates. But all we do know is that he did not like it. And he wrestled with God because the Bible says he asked three times for God to take this thorn away. That's a guy that's wrestling with God. It's a guy that's being tenacious and he's not giving up. And he's saying, God, I don't want this thorn. I'm ministering the gospel, I'm spreading the gospel of, of Jesus. You got to take this from me. You know, he had probably had all the, he had the best reasoning in the, of anyone ever to have a thorn taken from him. But God gives him this truth. That's in the Bible for us now that we get to to enjoy thousands of years later. He said, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. What a powerful, wonderful, beautiful truth from the word of God. That his strength is made perfect in our weakness. That came from Paul wrestling with God. Basically, he's saying that, that I will be strong in you as you are weak. But as long as you're strong in yourself, I can't be that strength in you because I'm not going to share that space with you. As long as you keep your own strength, you're going to have to go in your own strength. But if you will be weak, you will see my strength flow through you and into the lives of others around you. What a great truth. Paul got that from wrestling with God. And I can tell you in my own life, I got some of the greatest truths in my life from wrestling with him. You know, it doesn't mean we're in conflict with God. It's not that kind of, it's not a wrestling match you'd see on, you know, on USA, WWE, where these guys are fighting and beating each other up. It's not that kind of a conflict. It's a, it's a, it's a coming together, it's partnering with God to see, to see the, the plan of God fulfilled in your life and to see his blessings uh, manifested in your life. So sometimes we do have to wrestle with him. Uh, the next one next key is dependence on God. The key to blessing is having full and total complete dependence on God. We see in that verse in Genesis that, that he had stripped everything away from Jacob until he was alone. He stripped everything. His dependence, there was nothing left for him to depend on except God. Now, we don't, like I said earlier, we don't want to get to that place in life where we feel like we have nothing left. God doesn't want to be our last option, but he, he will still, he'll still be there for us if he is. But I would, I would just kind of ask you today, like, who are, who are you most dependent on in your life if it's not God? You know, is it, is it a spouse? Is it a, a boss? Because he's the one that writes your paycheck? Is it a girlfriend or boyfriend? Is it family members? Who, who in your life would you say you're most dependent on? Because if it's not God, then we have to, we have to realign. We have to get, if we really want to receive the blessings of God, there has to be total dependence on him. Jeremiah said those who put their trust and their confidence in him. Another way you could say that is to, those that completely depend on God are blessed. The dependence has to be there to receive the blessing. We don't receive the blessing and then we say, oh, okay, now that I see you blessed me, I'll depend on you. It's the other way around. God wants us to depend on him so he can pour his blessing into our life. Um, Another way of of saying uh, uh, dependence would be uh, desperation. Like something that brings us to complete dependence on God is a place of desperation. Now, desperation is usually a word that's used in a negative connotation, but in a Christian life, desperation can absolutely be a gift. It can be a gift for each and every one of us. Because there's something about it when we're desperate that, that causes us to, to strip away the things that, that, that are keeping us from God. When we're desperate for God is when we can see things happening in our life. When we're completely, we have no other place to put our dependence, but our, we're desperate for him. I think of the prodigal son, the, the parable that Jesus told. You know, the prodigal son got his inheritance early. He went off, he squandered it on wild living and he was so poor and starving, he, was, he wanted to eat the slop that he was feeding the pigs with. And he finally woke up, came to his senses and he said, oh my goodness, I'll go be a servant in my dad's home. His desperation of being starving and poor caused him to, to turn from what he was doing, from his wicked ways, so to speak, and run back to the father. And you guys know the story. The father ran to him and threw the robe around him and received him back in. The prodigal son's desperation brought him to a place of blessing with the father. Uh, the, the, the paralyzed man in Luke 2, I believe it is, where the four guys brought the paralyzed man into the, to the house to see Jesus. And the house was so full of people, they couldn't get in. So they went up on the roof, the Bible says, and they cut a hole in the roof. It wasn't really, I'm sure the owner of the house wasn't real happy about that, but they cut a hole and lowered him down right in front of Jesus. That was, that was a place of desperation. Like we have nowhere else to turn. I don't know if maybe they went to a, a doctor or five different doctors or all kinds of people to try to get him healed, physical therapy maybe, and it just didn't work. And maybe they had exhausted all their other options and they were in a place of desperation. And they lowered him up and down in front of Jesus. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Oh, by the way, pick up your mat and get out of here. And he was completely healed because he was in a place of desperation. And if those guys weren't desperate, they probably would have walked up to the house and saw all those people sitting in the house and going, uh, no, we're not gonna do this. We'll be back later we'll try to catch him next time he comes into town. You know, let's just, we'll just call the doctor. We'll, we'll see if we can find another doctor that can help you. They were desperate. And because of their desperation, they were able to get in front of Jesus and he was healed. And Jacob was at a place of desperation. He was all alone. He was, like I said, 400 men coming to meet him the next day that were led by the guy that he completely messed over. And so he was desperate because he, he was not at a place where he could defend himself, fight against these guys. He was desperate and he got before God and he received his blessing from God. Desperation brings humility in our life. I know that's not a prayer we like to pray either. Who wants to, I don't, I don't like to pray for humility because that usually means God's going to have to take something away from me or strip something or bring me to a place where I'm, where I'm willing, ready to receive and, and be humble. But desperation brings us to that place of humility. See, Jacob's biggest problem was not Esau. His biggest problem wasn't laban his father-in-law it wasn't the fact that he that he uh, never really got his dad's true blessing his biggest problem was himself he was too full of himself that was the big problem in his life and for you and me that's usually our biggest problem is ourself we have to be there, there we have to come to that place of humility to really be able to receive the blessing of God in our life. If we're if we're doing things our own way, if we're doing our own thing but we're just asking God to kind of bless our actions, we're doing it completely backwards. We have to be willing to come to God and say, "God, I give up control." You know, control is the hardest thing for a human to give up. You know, some of us in here would even admit, "Yeah, I'm a little bit of a control freak." And some of us wouldn't admit it but still are, and some of us really don't think that we are, but there's a level of control that every one of us has in our life that we like to have. And, but to really serve Jesus with all of our heart, there has to be a a giving up of that control. And that's, that's a, that's a, a, a matter of humility of coming to God and saying, God, I give up the control of my life. Like it's completely yours. I trust you. All my hope and confidence and faith is in you. For us to do that requires the humility that comes from that. And that's not an easy thing for us to do. And that wasn't an easy thing for Jacob to do. But the beauty of, of, of coming and being humble and, and giving up control, you know, that's, that's shown as a sign of weakness in the world, you know, to not have any control over your life. To say, oh, I've, I fully trust God in my life and I'm, I'm taking my hands off the wheel, you know, and I'm giving it all to God. For us to do that in the world, that's a sign of weakness and they don't, we, we don't like that. But in, in the Christian faith and the faith that we walk in and that we profess, that's a very good thing. You know, that's why Jesus, that's why God told Paul, hey, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Like that's a prerequisite. Our weakness is a requirement to see God's strength in our life. And, and I heard somebody, I read something this week that just, man, it just resonated with me. It said that when dependence is the goal, weakness is an asset. Is dependence the goal in your life? You want to be completely dependent on our God. If that's the goal in your life, then weakness is actually an asset. That's the only place weakness is an asset. But it's a beautiful thing because God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. So the fourth and last key to, uh, to receiving blessing this year, and any year for that matter, is transparency. We must be transparent. Another way to say that would be authenticity, being authentic with God and with ourselves, but being authentic with God. And there's, this, is the, uh, this is kind of the climax of this this situation with Jacob wrestling, the, wrestling with God, uh, his, his transparency. There was a moment of transparency here that I, I'm going to read a couple of these verses again to you so you can see what I'm talking about. In uh, verses 26b to 28, it says, but Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Now notice God's response to Jacob's demand for a blessing. He says, Jacob says, I need a blessing. I'm not letting you go. He's clinging to God. He's desperate. He's saying, God, I'm not letting you go until I get this blessing. And God's response is really interesting there. He says, what is your name? And he says, Jacob. And see, I said earlier, like the name, the name Jacob, what it meant. You know, names, like I said today, names don't mean a whole lot today. You know, we don't name our kids based on what the meaning of the name is. Uh, in fact, I think today we're trying to come up with the new names and ones that sound crazy that no one ever has and we, and we start, try to spell them uniquely and do all kinds of, you know, that's kind of the trend nowadays. And um, my name, you know, I looked up my name a long time ago. My name means little ruler. I don't, I don't get that at all. That has nothing to do with, with anything of, of me or anything. I've been, I've been accused of having a Napoleon complex in the past, but um, I think that's just a happy coincidence to be honest with you. Um, but for most of us, we probably don't even know what our name means. You know, you'd have to look it up. But what I'm saying is back in this culture, the name meant everything. And so Jacob saying his name was Jacob, because see, he, was, he lied earlier. The last time he was asked his name was by Isaac when he went in to steal the, the, the prayer of blessing. Isaac said, what's your name? And he said, my name is Esau. He lied to him. And he might have got the verbal blessing from Isaac, but his life was in turmoil ever since then. Now he's on the run from Esau. And so for him to say his name to us, we read it. It says that he said, yeah, my name's Jacob. But what he's really saying there is, yeah, I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. I'm a manipulator. I connive, I I contrive. I do whatever I got to do to get what I want, when I want it and how I want it. And I'll go about any means to do it and to get what I want. That's what he said when he said, my name is Jacob. And that is where God says, okay, now I can work with that because he was transparent, because he was authentic. He said what he really, he finally admitted who he was. He finally said, this is who I am. He was at a place of desperation. He was scared to death. Esau is going to come kill him. God says, what's your name? This is who I am. And that's when God says, okay, now that you're authentic and transparent, now I can bless you. He says, your name, I'm going to change your name. In fact, not only am I going to bless you, I'm going to change your name forever. Your name's not going to be Jacob anymore. Now your name is going to be Israel because you have struggled with God and man and have overcome. God blessed him right there because he was transparent about who he was. And the principle we can take from that is that it is imperative for us as believers in our walk with God to be transparent with him. It's, it's amazing. I, I fall into this all the time. So I'm, I'm, I should have a mirror right here because I should just be talking to myself. But there, there's this thing like we almost feel like if we don't talk about it even to God, that it's really not real. You know, I'm really not struggling with that if I don't talk about it. You know, Like we put on these facades for people in our life We put up these fronts because we want to look like we're putting our best foot forward and we're doing good and everything's great. But then it it kind of translates into our relationship with God. Where we don't really talk to him about the things we're dealing with. And when God's really saying, like, if you want the blessing that I have for you, I need you to be real with me. Just tell me, just say what you're dealing with. Talk about what your struggles are. Like, get with me and say, okay, God, this is who I am, but I don't want to be this anymore. I'd like for you to change my name, please. And God says, yes, I can deal with that. I can work with somebody that's going to be honest with me about who you are. Because until you're honest with yourself, you're you're limiting what God can do for you and in you because you're not being real. And God doesn't bless uh, fakeness. He doesn't bless inauthenticity. He wants us to be authentic about who we are and where we come from. And when Jacob said his name, he said who he was and what he'd been doing his whole life, God said, thank you very much. I've been waiting for that, Jacob. It's about stinking time, you know, and he blessed him there. And and it changed his life. I mean, like I said, today, to this day, right now, there's a country out in the Middle East called Israel. It's pretty pretty powerful, and uh, and that was and it started right here when God changed his name. So it's so important for us to be transparent and authentic with our God. We will see His blessings in our life because you know up until this point, Jacob's relationship with the Lord was just based on his heritage. That's all it was. If you would ask him, like who's God, he would have said, oh, my God's the God of uh, Isaac and Abraham, you know. He didn't really have a relationship with him, but but this moment here changed his life. When he wrestled with God, had that that tension with God, and, and he was desperate, and he was transparent with him, it completely changed his life. From this point on, his relationship with God was not based on his grandpa or his dad or anybody. It was based on his experience with God. And that's what God has for each one of us. Our relationship with him does not have to be based on our family, our parents, our, 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 destiny is not dependent on our heritage, where it came from. You know, some of us may have a great heritage with our, our parents and our grandparents and a long line of people that have loved Jesus. And some of us have, have had, you're the first person in your family that's ever been in a church. No, none of that's even relevant when it comes to your relationship with God. He has a destiny for you and your relationship with him. And he wants to base it on a personal encounter with him that he wants you to have in your daily life, giving yourself to him. So would you, would you guys please stand with me as I, as I close, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come and the, the worship team. And I just want to kind of leave you with this. It's a great story about Jacob and it, it's, it's something that, you know, you can, you can read it and I, I've read it, I don't know, I've read it countless times and I feel like every time I read it, I get something new out of it. And, uh, it's a wonderful story. The interesting thing with this whole thing is this encounter he had with God. God blessed him. He changed his name. He he came out of this encounter with God, you know, probably glowing and just, oh man, you guys wouldn't, he's going across the river to tell his wives, you wouldn't believe the encounter I had with God last night. And he was so excited about it. But the interesting thing is it didn't change the fact that Esau was still coming. It didn't, Esau didn't get lost and all of a sudden go off somewhere else and not have to, he didn't have to, to face his problems. He still had to face Esau the next day. But if you've read the story, you know that when he met with Esau, he got favor and protection from Esau. Which, if you remember, that's what the definition of a blessing is. It's God's favor and protection. He met with Esau. Esau embraced him, hugged him, said he loved him. They had this great encounter, and uh, everything was wonderful. And nothing's mentioned about why in the world he brought 400 men with him. I believe it's because Esau had every intention of coming and wiping him out. But this blessing that God gave Jacob changed the heart of even Esau to where he gave him favor and protection. And that was, so that's what God will do in our life. He doesn't necessarily make all of our circumstances just go perfect. Sometimes he, he will work out circumstances for us too. But sometimes even when he blesses us, we still have to deal with the things that are that are coming our way in life. But he will, we can trust that he will give us favor and protection in those as we put our confidence in him and as we're desperate for him and as we wrestle with him and as we're transparent and authentic with him. We could trust that his favor is going to be on our life, and that's a beautiful thing. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you today to, uh, if you'd like to pray, just to, to come to the altar. You can you can pray on your own if you want. Um, but I just I want you to think about the, the 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 story of Jacob, and you know the fact that God changed his name is, is such a powerful thing because he changed. He didn't just change his name; he changed who he was. You know, and God did that a few times in the Bible. We see he did it to Abraham. You know, Abraham's name used to be Abram. He did it to, for Peter. Peter was Simon. He changed his name to Peter. For Paul, his name was Saul. He changed it to Paul. And when he changed those guys' names, he changed their whole life. He changed their identity, their destiny, everything about them. And God does that for us. You know, when we receive salvation, we get a new name. You know, the Bible says the old is gone and the new has come. And... I hope, that, I hope that you have given your heart to Jesus. I hope that you have received the salvation that Jesus paid such a great price for each one of us to receive. And if you're here today and you haven't, I would encourage you today, don't, please don't leave this place without giving your heart to him. Let him change your name, your spiritual name. He has a destiny for each and every one of us. And he wants you to give you, him your life and to trust him because his strength, his power will be made perfect in your weakness. When you come and you humble yourself and say, God, I can't do this life on my own. I know I'm a sinner. I know that, that I was born a sinner. We all were. There's not one of us that's righteous on his own. None of us has any merit with God, no good standing with God apart from what Jesus did for us. And the free gift of salvation is that we, we just come to him and say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness for my sins. I believe that what you did on the cross, when you died and you rose from the dead, that that was enough to bring me forgiveness that I would be, that my debt would be paid and that I would be on the track to be with you one day in heaven. Please don't leave today without doing that. It's, it's not a scientific thing. It's no specific words you have to say. It's just really about giving your heart and receiving his forgiveness. You can do it in your seat if you want, but you will, if, if you receive the salvation by faith, you will be saved. And if you've walked away from the Lord, maybe, you know, the new year is always a great time to kind of get back to get back to the basics you know to where you really just want to get with God and, and say you know what 2017 I failed I've I fell short on so many areas that's okay 2018 is a brand new year every, every day is a new day for us amen. God's mercies are new every single morning so you started on the last day of the year you can start it today and it's just as good as if you wait till tomorrow it's even better than wait till tomorrow because none of us are guaranteed tomorrow amen so don't leave this place today please without just giving giving him your life saying God I want more of you and less of me We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for us. And as as Steve sings, you can just feel free to come up and pray if you like. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. It is truth, and it brings life to all of us who will partake of it. So, God, we just submit ourselves to you. We pray today that there would be more of you and less of us. God, bring us to that place where we could receive your blessing. We want to be blessed in 2018. We want to receive your favor and your protection in 2018. And God, bring us to that place where we will be desperate for you and then where we will be transparent, where we're willing to wrestle with you and trust you completely in prayer, that we would devote ourselves to praying and having our hearts turned towards you, God. I pray you'd speak to each one of us in this, this coming 21-day fast, that you'd give us your heart, help us to take this, uh, this opportunity seriously and to really give it our all, God. And to see you turn our hearts and, and change us and make us more like you. God, I thank you for your blessings in our life. Lord, thank you that we made it through another year. We give you all the glory for it. Lord, we praise you. We love you today. In Jesus' name, and amen.